Thank you for listening to the Victory Church online podcast. We are so excited that you joined us for today's message by Senior Pastor Gary Hart from Victory Church in Great Falls, Montana. Our prayer is that today's message will inspire you to join us in changing the world by helping people find and follow Jesus. Now here's Pastor Gary. Are you glad to be here? Now, I mean, are you really glad to be here? That's good because we are in week two of a series that we have entitled Obsessed, A Quest for Truth, right? We're on a quest for truth, and uh, today I'm going to be uh, talking about laying a firm foundation, laying a firm foundation. So do you have your Bibles? Come on, open your Bible to Psalm 11, Psalm 11. I don't hear pages turning. Pages turning makes the devil nervous. All right? Put your finger in there. Hold your Bible high. Hold your Bible high. Where's your Bibles, folks? Come on now. Hold it up high. Make the good declaration of our faith together today. Come on, Nancy. Here we go. This is my Bible. It's true. I accept everything it has to offer me. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I walk by faith and not by sight. I am what the word says I am. I have what the word says I have. And I can do what the word says I can do. Today I will be taught the word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 11, verse number three says this. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? We would all be quick to acknowledge a couple of key truths about foundations, all right? Number one, foundations are very important to the strength of what is built on it. Foundations are very key for strength to what is built on it. Jesus taught us this principle in Luke chapter 6. In the parable of the wise and foolish builder, the wise builder dug down deep, laid the foundation of his house on the rock. When the storms came against that house, it stood strong because it was built on a firm foundation. While the foolish man, he just built his house on the sand. And when the storms came against that house, the house collapsed and great was its ruin because it had no foundation. The foundation is very important to the strength of whatever is built on it. The second key truth that we know about foundation is the higher you want to build, the deeper your foundation needs to be. Everybody knows this in architecture. If you want to build high, you've got to dig down deep. The higher you want to go, the deeper you need to dig, right? The deeper your foundation needs to be. And this is where a lot of people get into trouble. They want to go higher, but they don't take time to dig down deeper, right? So your foundation isn't strong for how high you want to build because you can only build as high as as deep you go. And Jesus taught us this in the parable of the sower. The sower went forth and sowed seed. Some fell on the path, right? Had no foundation. The enemy came and ate the seed. Others fell in the rocky soil. It had a very shallow foundation. And when the, the sun came against it, it scorched it. When trials and tests came, it couldn't stand the heat. And some of you have such a shallow foundation that when storms come against your life, you collapse because you have no solid foundation upon which to build your life in Christ, right? Some fell among the weeds. 
and it started to grow up and it looked good, but then the cares of this life and the, 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 the lust for riches and those things came and choked it out because your foundation wasn't deep. But then there was seed, seed that fell into the good soil. That which was received and accepted grew up and built up, uh, created a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 fold. So if you want to go higher in your relationship with God, your foundation must grow deeper, right? The deeper your foundation, the higher you're going to be able to go. And so what's more important, building higher or going deeper? Going deeper. Because you can't go higher until you go deeper. Amen? I really felt the Lord's encouragement as we begin this series. Last week, we kind of laid a foundation uh, for, for the series. But today, I just really felt like God wanted me to take us to the basics, right? The basics of our faith, the foundational truths that we believe. And so today what I want to do is I want to do something that's going to be absolutely superhuman. I'm going to take the 30 minutes that we have available to us today, I'm going to take you through the entire statement of faith, Victory's entire statement of faith. Okay, so you should have been handed the statement of faith when you came in. I encourage you to pull that out because we're going to go through this whole thing today. All right, this has never been done before. This is a new Guinness World Book of Records. We're going to cover it right now. 10 key steps in about 30 minutes, all right? It's gonna be awesome. I think you're gonna love this, but these are the foundational truths that we believe as a church. And each one of you in that copy, here's what I wanna encourage you to do. I wanna encourage you to take this copy home with you. We're gonna walk through it today, but then when you go home, I want you to take this out and I want you to get your own Bible out. Get your Bible out. I want you to look it over again. I want you to look the scriptures up themselves. I want you to study it for yourself. And I want you to get these foundational truths deep into your soul. Because they will help to create a foundation upon which you can build your life. In addition to the statement today, I want to give you a reason for why the statement is important. All right? It's not only important to know what we believe but why we believe it and why we believe that it's true. So if you're ready, are you ready? You got your seatbelts buckled in? We're gonna go at subsonic speed, so don't, don't blink because you're gonna miss it. But here we go. Number one, we believe the Holy Bible in both the Old and New Testament to be God's divinely inspired written word and our sole source for faith and practice. We believe the Holy Bible in both the Old and New Testaments to be God's divinely inspired written word and our sole source for faith and practice. Now, why is this important? Why is it important that we believe this? Because you don't have to look any further than the Bible to understand God's plan and purpose for life. You don't have to. This is it. We believe this is God's inspired written word in both the Old and New Testament, and it is our sole source for faith and practice. So there is no other document there is nothing that you can lay aside or compare to this book to which you will discover God's plan and purpose for life. The Bible is our sole source. The Bible is a unique document above all other documents. The way it was, was formed, the way that it was brought together is unique more so than any other. The time frame in which it was composed, over 4,000 years it took to compose the scriptures that we hold in our hand. The variety of writers that participated in the writing of this book Fishermen, doctors, tax collectors, historians, um, poets. We have all kinds of writers over 4,000 years and 
the content of their writing is all congruent. The theme of commonality that runs through the Bible because the entire book from Genesis to Revelation is all about Jesus. Not only that, the prophecies that are fulfilled from this, it, it is unlike any other book that has ever been written. Let's look at the scriptures. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. In other words, man didn't set out to write this book. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. It was God who orchestrated. It was God who inspired the men to write the things that were written. And in Romans chapter 16, verses 25 and 26, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the truth. So God needed to reveal himself to us. So he gave us the Bible that reveals to us the mysteries of God, the plan, the purpose of God. So we believe that the Holy Bible in both the Old and New Testaments to be God's divinely inspired written word and our sole source for faith and practice. Number two, you ready? We believe God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit comprise the eternal Godhead and are one in nature and in purpose. Now you might be thinking, how can this be? One God, eternally existent in three persons. I don't entirely know. But here's why this is important. There's two reasons. Number one, because the scripture says it so. We serve a God who is one but revealed in three unique personalities. And secondly, it's important because the uniqueness of God makes him far superior to us in knowledge and understanding. Right? How many of you want to serve a God that you fully understand? That you know as much as he knows? Wasn't that the trick of the, the devil when he came to Eve? and said, eat of the fruit and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. In other words, you're, you're, you'll be just like him. You'll know everything. I, I prefer to serve a God that knows more than I do. Right? It's beyond my comprehension that, that I don't fully comprehend or understand. That's the kind of God we need to serve. So let's look at the scriptures. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, singular, let us make man in our image. You see it? Then God said, singular, let us make man in our image, plural. So one God existed in three persons. God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. 
It's interesting, in the New King James Version, the words divine nature is translated Godhead. His eternal power and divine Godhead reveal from what has been made. We learn about God's power and his Godhead, right? So one of my favorite illustrations is the illustration of the egg, right? Have you ever eaten an egg? Thank you for that enthusiastic response. But an egg is made up of a shell, a yolk, and a white. Is the shell egg? The shell is egg. Is the white egg? Is the yolk egg? Three distinct parts, but one egg. So we get the idea of God from what has been made. Man is a three-part being. We are a spirit, we possess a soul, we live in a body. Three unique parts to us, but one person, right? And so what has been made reveals a lot about God. How can God be three in one? Well, nature itself d- demonstrates to us who God is. And then we read also out of 2 Corinthians chapter number 13, verse 14, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is known as the doxology. And out of the doxology, we see all three persons of the Godhead represented in the doxology. We believe God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit comprise the eternal Godhead and are one in nature and in purpose. Number three. Isn't this fun? All right, number three. We believe all men are sinners by nature and thereby separated from God and are in need of eternal salvation, which is the restoration of our relationship with God. Because of sin, we are separated from a relationship with God, right? And so we are in need of salvation, which is the restoration of our relationship with God. Why is this important? Unless a person understands their current condition, they won't be concerned about its significance. Unless a person understands their current condition, they won't be concerned about its significance. Remember last, uh, in the last series, we talked about if what you believe to be true is a lie, you can never reach your correct destination. So we hear people say, well, I, I'm a good person. I've never really done anything wrong. Why would God send me to hell? See, what you don't understand is the real condition of your life is you are a sinner by nature. And because you're a sinner by nature, you are separated from God, right? There's none good. No, not, not one. And so we need to understand what our current condition is. I am a sinner and I am in need of salvation. I am in need of the restoration of my relationship with God. Let's look at the scriptures. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Right? We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. deep, right? That's, that's deep, right? 
and that's the truth. We, we aren't sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. It's our nature. You don't have to teach a child to be selfish. Just put them in a room with other children and lots of toys. And you'll find out what's at the core of that child really quick. That's mine. Right? Because we tend to be selfish by nature. And then Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. We believe all men are sinners by nature and therefore separated from God and are in need of eternal salvation, the restoration of our relationship with God. Number four, we believe that because of God's great love for mankind, he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, shed his blood as the payment for man's sin, and then raised him again from the dead to provide for man's salvation. Why is this important? Because God himself reached out to us to provide a way of salvation for us. God reached out to us to provide a way of salvation for us. He did not say, here's what you have to do to earn salvation. He provided a way so that we could obtain salvation. Right? And again... This is one of the uniquenesses of Christianity. All other major religions of the world, it's dependent upon you. Here's what you have to do to earn salvation. Christianity is unique and it's the only one that God reached out to us and said, it's not about what you do, it's about what I did. Jesus provided the way for us to obtain eternal salvation. Let's look at the scriptures. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I apologize. We do have all these scriptures in the computer, but for some reason the computer's not working. And so I'm just having to read the scriptures to you, but you can look them up on your own time. All right. So God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 4. Now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So that is the entirety of the gospel. Jesus died, Jesus was buried, Jesus was raised again to life. John chapter 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Therefore we believe that because of God's great love for mankind, he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross shed his blood as the payment for man's sin, and then raised him again from the dead to provide for man's salvation. How are we doing? Oh, man, we're doing great. I'm already to number five. Number five, you ready? We believe salvation must be personally received by faith, trusting what Jesus did for us and receiving his lordship over our lives. We believe that salvation must be personally received by faith, trusting in what Jesus did for us, 
receiving his lordship over our life. Why is this important? Because salvation is a personal decision. Others cannot make this choice for you. No one can make this choice for you. Your mama can't. Your daddy can't. Your preacher can't. No one can make, you have to make this decision for yourself. You don't get it just because you come to church. You don't get it because you went through a class. You don't get it because you were dedicated or baptized as a baby. It's a personal decision that one must personally receive. And if you don't understand that, you will miss out on God's best because salvation must be personally received by faith, trusting what Jesus did for us and receiving his lordship over our lives. Let's look at the scriptures, Romans 10, chapter, uh, verse 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Notice, it's you. You're the one that has to believe. You're the one that has to confess. It's a personal decision. John chapter 1 and verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus answered and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only way. And only by faith in Christ Jesus can a person find salvation. We believe salvation must be personally received by faith, trusting what Jesus did for us and receiving his lordship over our lives. Amen? Everybody okay? All right, now if you're a guest with us today, I don't always preach like this. Sometimes I'm really good. I just have to be good today. So we encourage you to come back again and and dive in with us, all right? Number six, here we go. We believe every Christian is entitled to and should seek to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This experience is distinct and separate from the experience of salvation and comes with the endowment of power for life and service, the bestowment of gifts and their uses for the work of the ministry. Now, this particular state, this, this faith statement is a charismatic distinction. We are a charismatic church. So we believe in the present day operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers, right? Not all churches will believe this. We do. We believe in the presence, the present operation of the Holy Spirit and the gifts in our lives today, all right? Why is this important? Because just as we cannot save ourselves, We need God's abiding presence to help us live out a supernatural life. This is found in an ongoing relationship and dependence on the person of the Holy Spirit. Right? You were not called to live a natural life. You were called to live a supernatural life. Come on. Come on. We we get saved supernaturally by trusting and believing in God's grace to save us. And then we think we're going to live out the rest of our life in our own strength and in our own power. 
No, we need the grace of God. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit. And only the only way that can come is by a daily dependence on and seeking of the power of the Holy Spirit in our life to live a supernatural life. Let's look at the scriptures. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The word power here in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 is the Greek word dunamis, from which we get our word dynamite, but its literal meaning is supernatural ability. You will receive supernatural ability when the Holy Spirit comes on you so that you can be his witnesses. Notice it didn't say so that you could do witnessing. You could be his witness. How would you like to be his witness? Right? You are his witness. Whether you're being for him or against him. Come on, somebody. And we need the Holy Spirit of God to help us live out the supernatural life that God intended for us. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 4, the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit was on the day of Pentecost. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and to begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. These were already believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. This was a secondary work of God's grace in the life of believers in giving them what we refer to as the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And the evidence of that infilling was that they spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In Acts chapter 11, verses 15 through 17, Peter is preaching at the house of Cornelius, who was a Gentile, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. The Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. And then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift that he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? So did you notice? He gave them, the Gentiles, the same gift that he gave to the Jews. What was that gift? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of praying with other tongues. Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 46 clearly illustrates that when the Holy Spirit fell on them, they began to speak with other tongues and praise God. So the same gift they received. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 and verse seven, we see the manifestations of the Spirit. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to to another, still, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes to them, each one, just as he determines. And so we believe these gifts are still operational in the lives of believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit. The the Holy Spirit can work through you, and you might have a word of wisdom for somebody. You might have a word of knowledge for somebody. God might come on you with a, a gift of miraculous powers to bring healing into someone's life. The question is, are you open to it? Do you recognize that these gifts are still being used by God today in the lives of believers? Hello? 
so that you can live a supernatural life. You don't have to be limited to just your natural abilities. I'm trying to stir you up today. I'm trying to help you to see there is more to this Christian life than just, well, Lord, I'm enduring until you take me home. No, there, there's stuff for us to do. There's people for us to reach. There's, there's healing for us to minister to the lives of people. God wants to use you to accomplish it. Amen? We believe every Christian is entitled to and should seek to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, please understand, we will never force this on anyone. But we encourage you to earnestly seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to have a daily dependence on the person of the Holy Spirit to live your life in a supernatural way. Everybody okay? All right, number seven. We believe that total prosperity was provided through Christ's sacrificial work and is available to every believer, spiritually, physically, relationally, financially, emotionally, and on and on. All right? Sean made mention of this earlier. Why is it important that we understand this? Because God is not just interested in your spiritual being, but in your whole being. Right? He didn't just save you from your sin. He paid the price for you to have healing in your body, peace in your mind, finances to support and sustain your life and ministry, the emotional well-being to deliver you from fear, discouragement, despair. Come on. Let's look at the scriptures. Come on. If you don't believe me, believe the scriptures. Right? Third John verse 2, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. You might prosper in all things. This is the word of God. And be in health even as your soul prospers. Isaiah 53, 4 and 6. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus paid it all. Spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally, psychologically, relationally. Come on, somebody. I I don't know. I'm going to get fired up here in just a minute. This is exciting. Jesus paid for you to have this. Why wouldn't you want to pursue him to receive everything that God has made available to you? Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. How many of you would like a little of your youth renewed? Come on. Well, there's a few of us in here who need a little bit of renewal. Jesus paid the price. We believe that total prosperity 
was provided through Christ's sacrificial work and is available to every believer, spiritually, physically, relationally, financially, and emotionally. God wants your marriage blessed. He wants your marriage to thrive. He wants your relationships to thrive. And he paid the price so that it would. Number eight, how we doing? Oh, I've got to get through here. Uh, We believe in the sacraments of the church, water baptism, that those who receive salvation should follow Christ's commandment to be baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is this important? This public declaration identifies us with Jesus as his follower and his death and resurrection and the desire to live in the newness of his life. Let's look at the scriptures, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 8, verses 35 through 38. Then Philip began with the very pastor of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, uh, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Right there, just believed. Romans 6, 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live in the new life. We believe in the sacrament of baptism. And if you have never been water baptized, having put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then I encourage you to do so. Put your pride aside. Put your self aside. Say, okay, God, this is what you want. Because obedience is very important in the Christian life. And if Jesus said to be baptized, what's keeping you from doing so? you'll discover obedience is very important in your life as a successful follower of Christ. Amen? Amen. We believe in the Lord's Supper, a unique time of communion in the presence of God when the elements of bread and juice, which represent the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, are taken in remembrance of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Why is this important? This is a celebration of our faith in Christ's sacrifice and our hopeful expectation of his return. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me until I come again. Let's take a look at the scriptures, Matthew 26, 26 through 29. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. And I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. In 1 Corinthians 10, 16, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? And in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26, Paul wrote, for I receive from the Lord which also I pass on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took bread. When he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, 
you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We believe in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. By the way, we will be receiving the Lord's Supper tonight at our Elevate service. We encourage you to come and participate with us. We also believe in the sacrament of marriage. Marriage is defined in the Bible as a covenant, a sacred bond between one man and one woman, instituted by and publicly entered into before God. Why is this important? In a generation of anything goes. From the beginning, God's truth concerning marriage has never changed. All right, let's look at the scriptures. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds in the air, the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, over every creature that moves along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, the male and the female, and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. God blessed them, the male and the female. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. I'll talk about that a little bit more in a couple weeks when we talk about sex. Also, everyone sat up all of a sudden. Okay, Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, and then he closed up the places with the flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And they become one flesh. Now I want you to notice something. All right? We've just set the precedence for God's idea of relationships. In Matthew's gospel, chapter number 19, some of the Pharisees came to Jesus and asked him if a man could divorce his wife for any reason. Listen to Jesus' response in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. Haven't you read... He replied that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Jesus took them back to the beginning. Said this is how God established it. This is the way it works. At the beginning, God created them male and female. So, we believe in the sacrament of marriage. Number nine, you got time for two more? All right, we'll zip through these quick. We believe that at the end of times, there shall be a bodily resurrection of both the believing and the unbelieving the believing unto eternal life in the new heaven and the new earth, the unbelieving unto eternal death, a place of torment prepared for the devil and his angels. Why is this important? Because according to the scriptures, heaven and hell are both real. And our desire as Jesus 
should be that none should go to hell. Ladies and gentlemen, heaven is a real place. And if your faith is in Jesus Christ, you will go to heaven when this life is over. But just because you go there does not mean everyone will go there. And we should not want anyone to go to a place of torment that was prepared for the devil and his angels, right? So this is so important. Let's look at the scriptures. In John chapter five, verses 28 and 29, do not be amazed at this. Jesus said, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. And those who have done what is good will rise to live. Those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Acts chapter 24, verse 15, Paul said, and I have the same hope in God as these men themselves have, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. In Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it, and the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. If that doesn't alarm you, I question your salvation. We believe that at the end of times there shall be a bodily resurrection of both the believing and the unbelieving. The believing unto eternal life in the new heaven and the new earth and the unbelieving unto eternal death, a place of torment prepared for the devil and his angels. And here we are, number 10. Don't miss this one. We believe the divine mandate of the church is to proclaim God's message of salvation to the world in hope that they may hear and be saved. Listen very carefully. Why is this important? Because we are God's plan A for winning the world and there is no plan B. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, you and I are God's plan A. If the world is ever going to hear the message of salvation as it is in Jesus Christ, it's gonna be because we shared the message. And it's not just me, it's we. Right? It's we. We have the responsibility of sharing. It's our divine mandate from God. Let's look at the scriptures. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. How then can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. In just a couple of moments, I will send you from this place. You be sent. Say it, right? You be sent. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. In 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 20, all this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ 
and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, though God were making his appeal through us. And we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We believe it is the divine mandate of the church to proclaim God's message of salvation to the world in hope that they may hear and be saved. It is our responsibility to proclaim the message. It is God's responsibility to save them. But they cannot be saved unless they first hear. And you and I are God's plan A. Amen? Thank you for listening to the Victory Church online podcast. We hope you were blessed by today's message. For more information about Victory Church or to give online, visit victorychurchgf.com. Have a blessed week.